Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by your pastors, Dave Osterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Come with us on a journey to understand what Paul has to say to the church in Rome. The Bible can be complicated, and in the next weeks we're going to learn some tricks and tips on how to understand its life-changing message. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the new series. All right, we're going to read from Romans. It's on page 911 of your blue uh, Bibles. If you brought your own Bible, you're on your own, at, you have to find it, but it's 911 of the Blue Bibles. We're going to read the uh, introduction to Romans, which is the first 17 verses together. So Romans 1, 1 to 17. Here's what it says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last God's will, the, that 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 now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles." I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Tomorrow is January 8th, 2024. That's a big day. Now, you might be wondering, why is January 8th, 2024 a big day? Well, if, if you know me well, you might be thinking, oh, it's because his daughter Elise turns 23 tomorrow. And that is true, but that's not the full reason why it's a big day. You might say, oh, I know his other daughter, Natalie, is flying back to California tomorrow, and that is unfortunately true. Um, $5 for you. Every time I mention the kids, i got to give them $5. Um, so that's, that's all male Elise's hers. Um, that is also true, um, but that's not fully the reason why it's a, a big day. And, and it might be because, oh, because my wife, Dave's wife, Anita, is starting a new part-time job tomorrow, which is also true, but that's not the full reason It's a big day. January 8th, 2024 is a big day because it's Linwood Covenant Church's 
birthday tomorrow, and we turn 40 years old tomorrow. Let's give a, let's give a hand for that. I have here the, the charter of our church um, uh, that Marlis and John thankfully framed for us some time ago. And on this charter, it has the names of the people that started this congregation, January 8th, 1984. As we read communion names, often we'll read people that were charters of the church. Kind of a weird word that we use. It just means that their names are on this document, that they were, they were, they were part of the people that founded a church. And if you think about starting a church from scratch, some of you have maybe done that, it's a crazy thing to do. It's a, it's, it's a high-risk activity. It takes a lot of faith and a, and a lot of courage. And, and these friends, these friends were, were ones that, uh, that had the faith and the courage and the vision uh, to do that. And all of you have become a part of the, the story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to our usher, Will, here. If you want to set this up in the back somewhere so people, as they drink coffee and donuts, can, can look at the charter, the official document... Um, all of you have become a part of our journey, maybe some just a few weeks ago, and many of you many, many years ago. Some of you have been here the whole time. And this year is our 40th birthday, and we want to make that a big deal because it is a big deal. In the Bible, 40 is a big number. It's, uh, it occurs a lot. If you read the Bible, you'll see 40 pop up a lot. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days before his ministry started. Moses was 40, it says, when he fled Egypt. He was 80 when he returned to Egypt, and he was 120 when he died. So if you can do the math, 40 is a big number in his, in his story. And, and in the Bible, um, the Israelites wandered in the desert uh, for 40 years. You could, you could go on and on. In Sunday school, we might look at a few other examples. So what's the big deal with 40. Well, in the Bible, it's a, it's a number that signifies completion. Now, that doesn't mean that, that church is completed. That's not what it means. But it's, it's a number of completion. It's a number of a, of a generation, that a generation has, has, has passed, and it's a new generation now. That's something that, that, that that's, a big, that's a big part of, of what it means, that we've made it 40 years. In biblical terms, we've made it one generation, and that's something to celebrate. And now we get ready for the next generation of of faithful, of faithful ministry. According to a study overseen by Ed Stetzer, who works at Biola University, he says 60, they studied churches from 2000 to 2005 or 10, I believe, if I remember right. And of the church plants that happened then, 68% survived four years. It's hard to start a church. There's a lot of obstacles. 68% 68% survived four years, and, and after that, the percentages continue to go down. So surviving for 40 years is a big deal. So we want to celebrate that God has been faithful to us. God has brought us a lot of faithful people, you all that are here now. It's taken a lot of vision, a lot of courage, and a lot of faith to get this church started in 1984. And as James says in his book, Faith without works is dead. It takes a lot of faith, but it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears too. So thank you to all of you that are and have been a part of the, of the journey of Linwood Covenant Church. And this year we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to look forward uh, to the next generation, the next years. And one of the scriptures that I want us to hold dear is Psalms 145. 
The whole psalm is wonderful. I'm just going to read a little bit about it. It says this, I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. That's what we want to do this year. That's what we have been doing. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. And I will meditate on all your wonderful works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The psalm goes on with some beautiful words. I encourage you to read it all. But as we go through this year, we want to celebrate what God has done, that he has been faithful. And as one generation, we want to tell the next generation what has happened the story of Linwood is, is, is really pretty amazing. There's a story that we want to write down. So if you've been here a while, get ready for a phone call because we're going we're gonna to talk to you. We want to mine the stories. I've heard a lot of the stories, including that as the church was being built, somebody tried to burn it down. Have you heard of that story? There's lots of stories, and we want to we tell them and celebrate what, is, what has happened. And then sometime in the fall, the lead team's working on a date, but we want to throw a party and really, really, uh, really celebrate what has happened. Um, and, and, the, and the goal, though, is, is for one generation to tell the next generation how faithful God has been and to spur us on for this next generation of ministry that we're embarking on. It seemed appropriate to start this new year, our 40th year, with good news. It's a good news year. We're 40 years old. Praise God. Romans is the good news book of the Bible. And so we're going to start with Romans and, and dive into it. It's kind of a complicated book but it's doable. We can wrap our minds around it. Paul wrote it. It's the most complete and thorough explanation of the gospel in the Bible. Now, Paul wrote this letter. It's, we call it a book, but it was really a letter that he wrote, and he, he, he didn't send through the mail. He sent it with a messenger to a number of small churches in Rome. A lot of us know where Rome is in Italy. Whether the church is smaller or larger than Linwood, I don't, I don't know. We don't really know. I would guess smaller. They... The churches that this letter was received by were less than 40 years old. We, we know that to be true. The letter was written between 50 and 60 AD, somewhere in there, between 50 and 60 AD. So the letter is approximately 1,970 years old. So we're reading an ancient document that was written in, in ancient Greek, but now has been translated into modern English. Now we're going to spend five Sundays in Rome. So you might think if you know Romans is 16 chapters long, and it's kind of a, it's, it's theologically dense. So how are we going to understand Romans in five weeks? Well, good question. You know, we could spend three to five years in Romans. Some churches do that. It's a slow, methodical move through the, through the book, but it's hard to remember what, what happened last week, let alone what happened two or three years ago. So we're going to look at it more as a, as a big picture. But to really understand the book, it's going to take some intentionality um, by all of us, which is kind of up to you. Our goal is to provide a lot of different resources that allows you to wrap your mind around what Paul is saying. But a few things before we pass out um, some handouts today. Paul was headed to Jerusalem when he wrote this letter. And as we see in the first 17 verses of Rome, Paul had never been to Rome himself. But did he want to go there? Yes, he really deeply wanted to go there. But Paul was headed to Jerusalem to deliver money to the Jewish people in Jerusalem who were hurting and undergoing uh, some persecution. 
In Romans, you see the word Gentile a lot. We see it in verse, the first 17 verses. Well, what does that mean? There's a big part of Rome is the difference between a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person. Or it said in, in the 17 verses we read, the Greek and the non-Greek. Well, the Greek is, is another word for Gentile, and the non-Greek is another word for a Jewish person. And so that's really the, the big separation between people that were, were, were Jewish in their ancestry and people that were not Gentile. So for me, I would be in the Gentile category. We can still separate people into those two categories. Now, Paul, Paul was Jewish. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Jewish people. And in Acts, in a dramatic and amazing way, he had met Jesus Christ. And he had given his life fully to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So was Paul a hero among the Jews? Well, not really. Not not necessarily. Peter was their hero. Paul was, was kind of an outcast. Paul was outcast of his Jewish brothers and sisters, that did not follow Jesus. So this is where it starts to get complicated. So you have Jewish people that did not follow Jesus. Well, they didn't like Paul because he was a traitor. He was, Paul was persecuting Jesus followers, and then he became a Jewish, a Jesus follower. So Paul got thrown out of that camp. But what about the Jewish people that followed Jesus? Well, Paul wasn't really their hero either. Peter really was. Why wasn't Paul? Well, because Paul, Paul really, really understood that that with Jesus, everything changes. And he was, he was telling them a, a lot, of, uh, a lot of, of, of good news. I'm, I, uh, I'm getting lost in my notes here. Here's, here's what he was, he was telling them. He was telling them that in order to follow Jesus, you do not have to be circumcised. That was good news. He was telling them that in order to follow Jesus, you don't have to follow the Jewish food laws. You can keep eating bacon and ham and and a lot of other things. He was telling them that the Jewish people have 613 laws and you you don't have to keep them, that you can chill on those basically. And we'll get into that. What do you need to do to follow Jesus? You need to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you need to love your neighbor fiercely. And if you are following Jesus in God's spirit, you will, you will follow the laws that are there. You will, you will, be, you will, you will be on your path to, to, to holiness and right living. You just have to do that. And, and so that produced a lot of tension that we'll talk about between Jewish people and Gentile people, between Paul and his fellow Jews. There was tension, and that's a big part of this letter and a big part of, of, of Paul's ministry, that how do to Jewish people and non-Jewish people worship together? Here's the other part of what's happening in this letter. In Rome, we all know where Rome is, in Italy, the Roman Emperor Claudius had just kicked all the Jews out of Rome. For a number of years, they were expelled. They had to go live somewhere else. They went to live in Greece or they went to live in Turkey, modern day Greece and Turkey. They had been kicked out. You can read about it in in Acts 18. It mentions it there. We'll talk about that in Sunday school. So the Jews had been kicked out, which means who was in Rome? non-Jewish people, Gentiles. And there was some of them that were following Jesus and they were gathering in houses to worship Jesus as we are today, only in God's house that we built here in in 40 years ago. Um, And so there were non-Jewish people that were following Jesus and the Jewish people had been kicked out of Rome. I think if I remember right, it was five years or so, then they got invited back. So now we have Jewish people coming back to Rome and they're coming back to their churches. Like they've been gone five years expelled and they came back. And so you can imagine they were welcomed back, 
But now you have people of a different culture coming in and having some, some disagreements on how do we follow Jesus? What does the Old Testament, what role does the Old Testament play? And there was tension. There was tension. And Paul is writing uh, largely about this, about this issue. Overall, the Jewish people didn't love the news Paul was bringing. Paul had never been there. Paul really wanted to go there. Paul was going to Jerusalem. I was going to have a map, and I forgot. So if you think about geography, Paul was going to go away from Rome. He was in Greece. He was going to go away from Rome to Jerusalem, deliver an offering. And then his goal was to come back to Rome. And then his goal was to go to Spain and bring the gospel to Spain, because Paul loved to go to places where the gospel had never been preached. Did Paul ever make it to Spain? Bible question, trivia. The answer is no, he never made it there. Did he make it to Rome? The answer is yes, he did finally make it to there, but he made it to Rome in chains. He made it to Rome as a prisoner, and that's where Paul would die. Now, the ushers have, uh, the ushers have uh, a handout that I'm going to have them hand out. So why don't, you guys, why don't you guys hand that out right now? Here's how we're going to wrap our mind around this book in the next five weeks. Well, I don't know what happened. My notes are all kinds of crazy right here. Okay. I got to figure out how that worked. I like, I like pole punched it backwards or something. So, okay. I want everybody to grab one of these, because my invitation for this new year, the 40th year of our church, as we look back and look forward, we look at this good news book, the Gospel of Rome. We have this tension that we're going to learn about between Jews and Gentiles, and, and Paul writing to this. A lot of, a lot of understanding the Bible is coming, it comes down to how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to understand it? How much... How much input are you going to put into it, which often means how much output's going to come to you. So these, this great handout that Emily put together, it kind of goes from less intense to more intense. So we're just going to look at this. Number one, listen to the Good News series, five sermons. So that's pretty easy. Come to church, or you can also access them on YouTubes and on all the podcast formats that you, uh, that you access podcasts with. So that's pretty easy. The Bible Project is a website. They also have an app that you can put on your phone. They do really good work. And they give videos that, that overview each Bible to kind of make it, each book of the Bible, to make it understandable. And it's drawings. It, they're, it, they're able to illustrate it with drawings. And so they have two for Romans because it's a big book. So you can access those on the Bible Project app, going to the website, or if you know how to use QR codes, which are pretty easy, Put your camera app on the back of this and, uh, and snap a picture and it'll send you there. So if you watch the two videos on Romans, it'll give you a good idea of what's going on. All right, so that's pretty easy to do. Over the next four weeks to read, um, to read Romans. So next week, we're going to really focus on Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4. So it'd be great to read that before you come to church uh, next week. It should make the sermon a little bit more understandable. Now... Now, number four, this is where it gets real. To really understand the Bible, you need to read the books in one setting. When Paul wrote to Rome, he wrote a letter. 
And you can see in Romans 16 that it was Phoebe that brought the letter to Rome. And what Phoebe most likely did is that she gathered the church together, all of us, and say, hey guys, Paul wrote us a letter. That's big news. We have a letter. Letters were really expensive and hard to write. And there wasn't a mailing system. So Phoebe comes and says, I got a letter. So everybody would have gathered in church like this. And Phoebe would have opened the letter and she would have read it. Nobody could read it. There's one copy. She would read it. It takes about an hour to read Romans. She would have read this letter from Paul. And then they would have probably had questions. And who would have they asked? They would have asked Phoebe. And she would have, she would have explained to them because she, she, she was charged with deeply knowing what Paul was trying to say. And they would have read this and they would have, they would have dialogued with it. And so you can go through a book slowly, but you kind of lose the whole picture. Really, to understand it, read the whole letter at once. And, and that helps you to really understand Paul's whole chain of thought and where, where he's going. So much like the ancient Romans, take an hour and read it. The NIV is a great translation. If you're new to the Bible, the message can make things a, a pretty easy to understand. So you can go on and like the BibleGateway.com is on here and you can find the message version and you can even listen to it so you don't have to physically read it. But read the whole thing. Take an hour. Now, here's number five. This is what I really recommend. I know we're, we're almost there. Here's what I did it this week. And it was really good. Take both of the Bible Project videos and watch them. Then read the book of Romans and write down questions or things you notice and then at the end, watch both videos again, because after you've read it, you're like, oh, okay, those videos start to make more sense now. That's going to take you a, a couple hours, uh, but it's really fruitful. You'll start to really grasp, oh, I get what Paul's, what Paul's saying here. So I did that this week. Now, you might be saying, yeah, Dave, but you're paid to do this, and you're not wrong. You're correct. It's not my fault you guys didn't become pastors. You could have done it. Uh, um, that's a benefit of my job. I get that. So I think when we do this, God smiles. God smiles a little bit at me, but God's like, yeah, David, you're paid to do this. If you're not paid to do this, God really smiles like, wow, you've given a couple hours of your life to understand the truths that I have in this letter to the church in Rome. And so, yeah, it's going to take you a few hours, but it'll help these next five weeks to make a lot more sense in this complicated book, you'll start to understand it. A couple other things. I'm going to use one of my dad's favorite theologians and also one that I really like, John Stott. He wrote a commentary on Romans. Now you can do what all these steps and also read through this book and you'll really start to understand it. And it's a book that I'm, there'll be a few others, but I'm relying on this book. N.T. Wright, he wrote a book recently. We're going to have copies here next week. He wrote a book called Into the Heart of Romans, and we'll have copies here next week. It's really focused on Romans 8. Um, and I have not personally read it yet, but I know him well, and I know a number of people well that have read it. And like most of his stuff, it's really good. And I would encourage you to read it. You'll understand Romans better. Number seven, last one. We have an amazing opportunity that is from Professor Klein Snodgrass, a man who I personally studied under. He's a New Testament professor. He worked for years at North Park Theological Seminary where I went, and now he's retired. He's gonna be in Minneapolis at Minnehaha Academy, the only covenant high school in the nation. And he's gonna be giving the talk on February 9th about Romans 6. It's open to everybody. I'm gonna go. I encourage you to go. It's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., I think, or 10 a.m. to 1, 1 p.m. Oh, I wrote it down. Sorry, it's 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. So it's right during the day. So that kind of that's, makes it hard. So it's also going to be online. So you could watch it from your house, or I probably could watch it even after it's done. But if you want to go, uh, 
Professor Snodgrass is amazing. It'll be fruitful. It's going to be focused on Romans 6. So we got some of these, these brilliant opportunities. It's really, it's really up to you how you want to take advantage of them. I want to close with this. You heard of Martin Luther before? Martin Luther was a German Catholic in the 1500s. Martin Luther had been raised in the German Catholic Church. And how his view of God was that God was, was, was angry. His view was like, you need to be really afraid of God. You need to walk around on eggshells, that there's a lot of judgment and hell and death. And it was a, it was a, he had a really uneasy relationship. And, and so in order to make God happy, the best way was to, was to enter into a monastery. If you devote your life to God, maybe, maybe he'll go a little bit easier on you. And that's what Martin Luther did. But he really felt that God, God, God was angry and he was trying to live a life where he appeased God and toned down the anger. Some of you maybe have been raised with that view of God, that it's hard for you to view that God really loves you, is happy with you, is proud of you at times, that God not only loves you, but likes you and wants to dine with you, not to tell you how terrible you are, but to say, I really love you. Like, let's have a meal together. That's kind of how Martin Luther describes his existence. And then in 1515 and 1516, he studied the book of Romans, the book of good news. And he wrestled with the last verse of Paul's explanation. When he was wrestling with this, Martin Luther wrote, that at first I was angry with God, and I later confessed because he seemed to be a terrifying judge more than a merciful savior. Romans 1.17 says this, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, first to last. Just as, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Just leave that up there for a second. Martin Luther said, I grasp the truth that the righteousness of God is a righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy, he justifies us by faith. There's lots of big words up there. That's, that's the complicated part. What does that really mean? John Stott says it this way, because in God's gospel, God's, because in the gospel, God's righteous way of righteousing the unrighteous has been revealed. Well, that's a tongue twister. The heart of the message is that God has made a way for unrighteous people to be holy, pure, and forgiven. And that's brilliant. That's Jesus' message. That, that's, that that is good news. That that is the, the heart of the gospel. That by faith in Jesus, Jesus washes us clean and says, you are now able to be at the table of the holy God because you are forgiven. Jew, Gentile, all of you need to be forgiven, and you are because of the cross, so come and dine with me. This is the news that Martin Luther finally figured out, that God is full of mercy and compassion, even for him, and that his life can be not rooted in, in fear and, and of God and that, that he thinks God is always after him. You can kind of have a fear of God and that God is God and he's holy, but that the holy God says, don't be afraid, come you are forgiven and loved. You are a son and daughter of the Most High King. That's the heart of the message of Romans. And that's what we want to dive into. This is the heart of good news. So 2024 is a new year. 2024 is our 40th birthday. 2024 is a year to start with the good news book, the book of Romans. 2024, I encourage you 
to dive into God's word with intentionally with intensity and intentionality. January 14th, with our taking inventory, I'm going to be there. A great time to, to step back and just look at our lives. What's the rhythm of our life? How are we living? How are we going to dive into Romans? How are we, how are we going to love our neighbor? What, what, what is happening? Another thing that isn't on this bookmark, but is our Sunday school. We're going we're gonna to watch one of the Bible Project videos about 11 o'clock down the back hallway and, and come, because at Sunday school, we just, we just dive into what we talk about deeper, and we start to understand at a deeper level what the Bible is all about. It is a complicated book, but it is a book that we can understand, and it is a book, as you dive into it, it will change your life, because the Bible is full of good news. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and the letter that he wrote, and that we still are able to read it today. We thank you for this church and the faithful people uh, that have, have given birth to this church and have continued to see its ministries continued throughout all the ups and downs of the years. And God, we thank you that we can still be uh, your church here. We thank you mostly for the good news that is in the, the book of Romans and is throughout the Bible, that you have come. You have come to make a way for us to have forgiveness, to be made holy, to be made righteous, that you are about righteousing, righteousing the unrighteous. What a what a weird but great phrase. God, we thank you for that good news. Help us to live as people of joy, people of hope, and people of confidence that you have come and you will come again and make things right once and for all. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's message inspired you to dig deeper into your own relationship with Christ and apply his words to your world. If you like today's message, feel free to check out Linwood Covenant's other podcasts, including past sermons. If you're looking for something to binge beginning to end, check out First Word, our first podcast series that guides listeners through the book of Mark. You can find all of these wherever your podcasts are available. You're also welcome to join us for our full worship service, which streams on YouTube every Sunday morning at 9.30 Central Time. We'll see you next week. And remember, come what may, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ.